Hi, my name is Sam Williams, and welcome to part one of episode number 47 of my 6G Music Podcast, The Millennial Throwback Machine. Hello, so first of all, I'd like to welcome all you to part one of episode number 47 of my Sticky Music Podcast, The Millennial Throwback Machine. I'm Sam Williams, and for those of you who are just now discovering this podcast, either on the Apple Podcast app, or on Stitcher, or on iHeartRadio, or on Google Play Music, or on Spotify, and you're wondering, so what the heck is this? Well, I'm just going to give you a brief description of what the show is all about. Okay, so I'm Sam Williams, and I'm a 23-year-old songwriter slash producer, but I'm also a huge 60 music fan slash expert slash nerd. And each week with this podcast, I take one song by one artist from the 60s and first talk about my opinion on the song and why I think it's so good or why I think it sucks, then do my own personal analysis on the arrangement of the songs, which will include the chords, melody, and lyrics. And then the second part of the show, I dig deep into the history behind the track. And in that part of the show, I talk about who wrote the song, who produced it, who were the studio musicians on it, who were the band members that were on the recording, what studio the song was recorded at, what city it was recorded at, what label was released on, and the date and the month that it was released on. All that is in the second part of the show. Moving on, let's get started on this week's song, shall we? Okay, so this week's song is going to be another tribute to another singer that has passed away this week. And we'll talk more about him in the second part of this podcast. But anyways, this song is definitely one of the most heart-wrenching and emotional songs anybody could ever come across, especially from the 60s. But holy crap, this song is good. I mean, it really is just an incredible song that will send shivers down your spine whenever you listen to it. And it really is just an amazing piece of work of art from start to finish. I mean, holy shit, the song is just insanely good. The song came out in August of 1965 in UK, but in America it was released in September 1965. It's by a group called the Walker Brothers. It's another than Make It Easy on Yourself. so very hard to do if you really love wow this song is just unbelievably good i mean holy shit i mean didn't listening to just a few seconds of that song just made your hair stand on pins and needles i mean i sure hope it did <laughs> I mean, in this episode, I'm going to talk about what makes a song so incredibly awesome from the lyrics to the music. But first, let's talk about the music first, because this song definitely has some interesting things about it musically as well. Okay, so one might listen to the song and you might think it's a little overproduced, um, you know, because you might think it's just way too bombastic and not simple enough um, as far as the arrangement is concerned. But. For powerful pop ballad songs of this nature, this is exactly the type of production this kind of song calls for. I mean, I think if the song had more of a simpler arrangement, I don't think the messages of the song would have hit home more if it had more of a simple like guitar, bass, piano, and drums arrangement. 
I feel like with the complex arrangement in the song, I feel like that's exactly what it calls for because I feel like it just amplifies a song. It doesn't necessarily water it down. And every everything about the song instrumentation-wise really suits it quite well. From the big booming drums, and I love that a lot. I mean, the drums in the song sound larger than life. I mean, holy crap! I mean, they must have used some really good mics on that on 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 that kit to make it sound huge. To the backup singers who just sings the ahs and the chorus and the naus at the interlude towards the end of the song, but really, the song is just oozing with several really cool instrumentation aspects, including the vibraphone interlude at the end of the chorus and the start of the second verse, and the first verse too. To the guitar stabs and the chords and the verses and to me it sounds like one of the guitar players has some delay or tremolo uh, built into his guitar that can be audible at the end of the chorus but also the strings in the song are not as prominent as they are in other songs in this era specifically from the 60s but they're not as in the way with the lead vocal as they are in other songs I mean other times the strings can really just like be right there with the lead vocal, but I feel like in this song the strings kind of come in and they come out, but they're not necessarily you know trying to interfere with the backup vocals and the lead vocals. And in my opinion, um, the things the stars of the show in this particular song are the lead vocal, the harmony vocal, and the backup singers. Those are really those are the three elements of the song that really shine in this particular song, and also there is a trombone in the song that pops up in and out casually, but that instrument is definitely not in the forefront of the song. It's just an extra little color that's just there that you wouldn't be able to notice it unless I pointed out to you. And also, in terms of its structure, it's definitely not an unusual song. I mean, it follows a standard intro, verse, chorus, verse, chorus structure with the chorus being repeated at the end. But one thing that sets the song apart from other most standard verse, chorus songs is that in the second chorus, the lyrics completely change, even though the melody stays exactly the same. Most verse, chorus songs have the exact same chorus repeated multiple times, but in this song, for the second chorus, the lyrics change. And also, let's talk about the song's chord progression, because again, this is one of those songs that has probably the most interesting chord progression from a typical song from this era. And I want to make full disclosure, the, the, the two guys that wrote this song were very much influenced by classical music and jazz, which tend to have very complex chord changes. And it really, really shows with this particular song. But we'll talk more about that in the second part of the show. But anyways, um, in the song, it's got this key change that happens between the verses and the choruses that is very subtle. But what happens, you'll be able to hear the changes between the sections within the song. And it's interesting how it goes, for, goes a fifth above from the original key from A to E and then back to A. But really... The things I love about this particular song is its use of the major 7 and minor 7 chords. I mean, those chords are definitely what makes the song very sophisticated and mature and not very childish like a three-chord rock song. I mean, 
this is like the song is definitely the polar opposite from a song let's say like wild thing by the trucks which is just a three chord you know pop rock song i mean this is definitely not one of those songs at all it's very much the you know the more adult than that song and we'll i'll talk about that song in another episode of this podcast and but also i love the augmented chord in the verses i mean it just makes the song sound oh so juicy and you know and also one other thing i love about it is that it's interesting how in the verses it goes from the one chord to the six minor, but then it goes to the six major. I mean, that's just, whoa. I mean, that's really, really cool. And then it's also interesting how they get back into the A major key change. I mean, really, it's just incredible. That little change that happens towards the end when they go to that B minor and then they get back into A major for the choruses. I mean, wow, that's really, really awesome. And also, uh, where the song hits this emotional peak is especially towards the end after the chorus repeats and the backup singers take over and the singer says, ooh, baby, it's so hard to do. And those minor seven chords come in. I mean, that's really when the song is just, oh, my God. I mean, it's indescribably good. And also, I like to point out that the lead vocals in the song are very powerful and almost operatic i mean but his baritone range in the song is also exactly what the song needed but the singer also sings this song in a very soulful way for a white singer and just full disclosure this guy's white and so are the two other singers um and the lean vocals in the song have a very similar sound to the righteous brothers um but it's also interesting to point out that the lead singer's lead vocal Sounds a lot like David Bowie. <laughs> I mean, but here's the thing is that this song came out way before people even knew who David Bowie was. I mean, he was around at that time, but he was not a superstar yet. I mean, he was unknown. I mean, I don't think he even had a record deal by this time. I mean, I think he would come into prominence a couple of years later in the UK. But but, but this what the point I'm trying to make is that this song came out before David Bowie. So if you think about it, this song had a huge influence on David Bowie. But we'll talk more about that in the second part of this podcast. But moving on, let's talk about the song's lyrics because most of the reason as to why I chose this song out of the two American hits group had is because of how relatable the lyrics are. And the other interesting thing about this song is that these songs are not just re- going to be relatable to people of the 60s generation, like the, the people in their 50s and 60s, but a lot younger people, people my age and even younger than that, or a little bit older will still be able to relate to the song, even though even if they've never heard it before in their entire life. I mean, heck... I mean, anyone that has gone through a very painful breakup will be able to relate to the song. Because towards the end of the chorus, the singer says something that is very true. And that is, breaking up is so very hard to do. And that is true for anybody that has gone through a breakup. I mean, it's it's almost a never easy thing to do. And I know there are several other songs that say this exact same thing. But you really do feel for the singer for this song. 
because he discovers this girl has fallen for somebody else. And instead of trying to make things difficult for him and her, he tells this girl just to make it easy on yourself and have her tell him that they're through. And really, when the song switches, lyrics for the second chorus is when things really start to get emotional. When he says, if this is goodbye, I just know I'm going to cry. I mean, it's funny um, because a lot of times when people cry is is really become almost kind of a cliche because back in those days, people overuse that word to the umph degree i mean there are several songs that use that word and i mean it almost definitely became something totally overused and it is still kind of a cliche today and i feel like that's one reason why people sort of have gotten away from it but the point i'm trying to make is that oftentimes when they said the word cry in songs they oftentimes didn't sing it with such emotion as if they were about to cry i mean there are very uh, few singers that could do that but in this particular song the singer sings the word with such strong emotion that literally sounds like he's about to cry which wasn't very common back in those days i mean only a few select singers could pull that off one being roy orbison and if you don't know who he is we'll do a full episode dedicated to him uh, later on in this podcast, trust me. I mean, even Elvis, who used that word a lot in his songs, he couldn't really say the word in a sense with such emotion or sing it with such emotion to the point where you can hear that he's about to cry. You know what I'm saying? And anyway, so I wanted to make a full disclosure that I've personally have never been through a breakup so i really don't know what the singer is talking about but for anybody that has gone through a breakup i'm sure this song will speak to you on many levels and that's why i decided to do it because i know that there are people out there that will be able to listen to the song and be like wow i mean i've definitely been there i know exactly what the singer is talking about and i can i can really feel for him and i know what he's going through because you might have gone through it yourself and It also doesn't really matter how old you are because you could be a baby boomer. You could be in your 50s and 60s, but or you could be someone around my age and I'm 23 or someone uh, younger than I am or someone that's a little bit older. But the point I'm trying to make is that you could relate to the song regardless of how old you are. And that's why I decided to do it. And that's what makes these songs so good is that these songs could be relatable to not just the baby boomers the guys the guy, the people that grew up with this music back in the 60s these songs could be relatable to people my age too i mean that's what makes these songs so appealing even though they use some cliches that we don't really use in modern day pop music i mean it's these songs you know could still be relatable in today's world you know to people my age because they talk about things that weren't just a applicable to the time they were recording but they also could be you know applicable to things that can happen right now and not 50 years ago if you know what i mean but anyways um this is just a really great song that has a super dramatic arrangement that is characteristic of pop songs recorded in new york and los angeles as well this song is kind of a a mishmash between the new york sound of the real building and the wall of sound, the Phil Spector wall of sound 
uh, thing, uh, sound of Los Angeles. It's almost kind of a hybrid between uh, those two genres. And I'll do a whole episode related to Phil Spector um, one of these days. I, I promise I'll do that. But I haven't talked about him yet, but I, I promise you I definitely will do that. But anyways, um, so that's what makes the song really good. It's got that really relatable lyric. It's got a really great, powerful vocal performance by a lead singer. And also it's got a really powerful arrangement with the strings and the backup singers and the powerful drums. And it's got this really amazing arrangement to it. And that's what makes the song so good. Okay, so one more thing I want to mention to you guys before I end this podcast is that um, one of the reasons as to why I love this song so much is that it's got that my favorite chord in music in general, which is that minor 7 over 5 chord, which is is technically a 9 sus 4 chord. In this song, it's B minor 7 over E, and I just love that. I mean, it's just that minor 7 with a five on top. I mean, that's just an amazing chord and that's why I love it so much. Um, it's a really, really good chord. And that's one of the reasons why I love the song so much is because it's got that chord and I've used that chord in a couple of my songs. It's just a great chord. Um, so that concludes part one of episode number 47 of my 60 music podcast, millennial throwback machine. I'm Sam Williams. And if you enjoyed my analysis on this week's episode of the show, and you've never heard of the Walker Brothers, and you loved the song, and you got turned on to it, and you never heard it before, um, please shoot me an email at samltwilly at iCloud.com. You can also follow me on Instagram at iHeartOldies, and check out more of my original music at Um, uh, As far as what's coming up uh, for this podcast, uh, the Eddie Holland interview for the show uh, will happen... Uh, at the end of April, beginning of May, and we're getting close to about uh, 50 episodes of the show, and uh, I'll try to do that episode as the 50th episode, but I don't think that's going to happen, so, but either way, it will probably happen on the anniversary of me starting this podcast, the one-year anniversary of me starting this podcast, and I put out the first episode on April 23rd, so I'll try to do something special around that time, uh, but in anyway, so um, I will keep you posted once that interview has been official, uh, has been confirmed officially, but now I just gotta, you know, set it up and everything, but yeah, so um, I also gotta type up, type up the questions for it, but don't worry, it'll happen, so um, just uh, thanks for waiting patiently for another interview. I'm trying to get, set another one up, but I just haven't been successful with locking down another person. So, um, you know, I'm, but I'm, either way, I'm looking forward to this one. So um, I'm Sam Williams. And by the way, um, you still have an opportunity to win uh, last week's uh, contest of a free T-shirt. And uh, if you want to uh, listen for that trivia question, all you have to do is go back and listen to a couple episodes back where I do the grassroots part one. I say the trivia question that if you are the first person to email me with the correct answer to that question, plus your shipping address and your uh, shirt size, I will personally send you a free T-shirt um, that is in uh, that episode. So if you want to win the contest, just go back and listen to that uh, episode and I'll 
send you a free t-shirt from my merch store, which is set up by Redbubble for my podcast. And you can check that out too. The link to that is in the description of this episode of this podcast as always. And yeah, so um, it's got it's got my slogan of the show in keep on trucking font with um, tie-dye lettering. So um, yeah, so I'm Sam Williams and uh, thank you for joining me for this week's episode of my podcast, Millennial Throwback Machine. Until next week, just like it says on the merchandise, please. Key things groupies.